you can be sure of a warm welcome with the Meldrews. This Christmas Day at 9 o'clock on BBC One. An unbelievable bimble through television's present wrapping past, with me, Ben Baker. I've just released a new book all about the programmes, people and pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa that made up the British Christmas TV experience. And you can find it on Lulu, Amazon and Equit. In each short episode of this, I'm going to talk to a guest about a programme that represents the Christmas period to them. And today I have with me writer and researcher Justin Lewis, who has chosen the My Life in Bins special from 1983 with one of Stutz Bearcats. <laughs> Brackets wiped. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was for Channel 4. Mike, Mike Mansfield produced it, probably. <laughs> there was literally someone stood at the side of the, uh, the tape with a magnet as it was being <laughs> filmed. <laughs> Self-wiping television, it's the future. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. So is Christmas TV important to you, Justin? In a, in a way, there'd always be this anticipation of what was going to be on, almost like, like television in its wrapping paper. You know? Yeah. So in theory, it would be, oh, great. But in practice, I found as a kid, you'd always be watching TV with one eye on the set and the other, mm. there was like endless distractions. There'd be presents, you'd be helping with food, washing up, visitors might come, phone calls, relatives, yeah. games, phone Christmas, you know, basically. Basically, yeah. But at Christmas, the rules mm. change a little bit. So we'd have rules like, oh, you know, um, Christmas lunch was in the dining room on the table where there's no television. Yeah. And we'd have my gran there, who, my, my much-missed gran, who I absolutely love, but she always wants to see the Queen's Speech, so we'd have to eat dinner before the Queen's Speech. Okay. And that meant that for years, I did not see Top of the Pops on Christmas Day. Oh! Yeah. I mean, to be fair, seeing some of the repeats recently, you were saved as a blessed miracle, but... <laughs> this is it. But the thing is, that made me quite cavalier about television at Christmas. Yeah. Christmas specials are a bit like the DVD extra. <laughs> Although you can tell ITV in the 90s were looking at the Robbie Coltrane series that was on and just thinking, oh, do you know what? If we made a seasonal <laughs> version of that, you know? And it would have been called... Jimmy! Jimmy! It would have cast me called Fits at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> So, Justin, I asked the question in everyone, uh, and I'm asking you now, what's on your Christmas box? The One Foot in the Grave Christmas special from 1994, which is called The Man Who Blew Away. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, St. Tutu Bastard, the patron saint of insurance companies. I find find it interesting, because when I started to think about it, and I've I've re-watched it recently, because it's all on iPlayer, so I might try and be... Not too big on the spoilers, just in case people haven't seen it and quite fancy watching it, because it it is it is not a long Christmas special. No, it's forty not at minutes, all. and that's so that's quite good. But um, but I think it's sort of a Christmas special, and yet it isn't a Christmas special. No, and yet 
<laughs> I think it is a Christmas special after all. Mm. Um, I will try and explain. So, like, you've got, you've, you've got. So, uh, yeah, intriguing. There's, um, so there, there is snow on the ground. Yes, and, yes, there's uh, snow. Ed, Ed, Ed Welch has, has changed the tune of In the Bleak Midwinter a bit. Yeah. So you know he's done that. Uh, there are some Christmas crackers in a box. No decorations up. It would be interesting to know when is it set. Is it set like on like December the 10th or something before they put the decorations up? <laughs> and there's that wonderful bit where, you know, Victor finds that there's like a joke in the Christmas cracker and he suddenly turns into the script editor from the news headline and uh, starts to take the joke apart. Yeah. Doesn't even work. Look, it's got... What's the difference between? And then it says, we're both useless tossers. <laughs> How's that the difference? That's not the difference. That's what we've got in common. <laughs> now, if it said, why is Victor Meldrew like a chef who keeps dropping his pancakes? Because we're both useless tossers. Then it would work. It'd be a proper joke then, but it doesn't. The thing about Victor Meldrew, everyone says, he moans. But it's with frustration. And again, even yeah. the composition of the joke that's about him in The Christmas Cracker is beautiful. <laughs> the start of this episode, it's basically Victor monologuing, just, just doing mm. gags. He's just reading the paper. Cane my young traffic warden's bottom. <laughs> Listen to a housewife moan. <laughs> do that any day. <laughs> Hear my massive 46-inch breasts. <laughs> Hear my massive 46-inch breasts. Oh, what's you got? Cowbells on them. That is Oscar's Amy Turtle. Yeah, which one? <laughs> Quality reference. Yeah. And two, can you imagine Victor Meldu ringing a sex chat? Like? I know, I did think that. I just think, would he have done? Really? Uh, um, yeah. I mean, out of curiosity, maybe, but I mean, there's a, I mean, oh, and by the way, another observation about that scene where uh, Victor is, is reading the paper and finds that, uh, and finds those lines, is he some, he appears to be eating milk tray chocolates with a toothpick <laughs> one at a time it made me think of that bit in seinfeld where mr pitt is eating his snickers bar with a knife and fork oh uh, yeah and i went and checked when that was on and it's about two months before this episode so they were both in the same pretty much the same time yeah but one of the reasons going back to why i think it's a christmas special in the end there's little motifs in it so they've got a surprise visitor like at mm. Christmas, there's there's some guests for dinner. There's a party mm. a few doors away. The guest who turns out is Brian Murphy, who is brilliant in it, uh, is. who is in considerable need. And at the end of the episode, I'm trying not to give anything away, but at the end of the episode, the Meldrews are rewarded with a present of sorts. Mm. So mm. I think there are some broad Christmas themes in there. And Brian Murphy's bare ass. So, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I won't spoil what That's the present true. is, but yeah, no. there's definitely two sort of strands of comedy going on here. I don't know if we did do a content warning or not, but it's like there's um a tr something, you know, a, a real tragedy does occur in the episode and it mm. provides the viewer at the end with a conundrum about whether it's suitable for comedy. Mm. You are actually given that dilemma because... Um, you are reminded that you are watching a sitcom and a funny situation in the end that the, that the participants, the fictional participants are not in on this joke. 
No. It's extremely well done, I think. All I'll say is the final couple of lines in it. I, I, just, I think this is the second mm. bleakest thing ever to go out on Christmas Day. Uh, certainly right. in the 90s. I think the first one is Rodney Come Home, the episode of Only oh, Fools and Horses, yeah. which is basically Rodney destroys his marriage and gets drunk a lot. But yeah. that, that one was kind of... It was almost allowed to be because that was the first episode of the next series, which was starting the week after mm. Only Fools. And the same happens here, actually, because this of is course. basically the first episode of Series 5, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. My only problem with One Foot in the Grave slightly is once they go into specials mode, I don't mean they start playing Scar. Um, but, you know, Because <laughs> <but laughs> they do, obviously. After yeah. Series 5, it's basically three years, which is just a Christmas special. Yeah, yeah. I mean, partly, I suppose, because I mean, I'm sure Renwick's working on, on Jonathan Creek quite a lot. I think 40 minutes is about as long as you can go before a series of catastrophes starts to just feel relentless and... Mm slightly disturbing mr foskett fancy hearing from you after all this time well you said if i was ever in the vicinity to be sure look you up so <laughs> yes but obviously i wouldn't just descend on you without giving you a ring first uh, uh, no no um so uh, where are you at the moment i'm outside your front door <laughs> yes i'm on the mobile they're wonderful things aren't they <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I just knocked your doorbell. It's interesting here because Victor, when Mr. Foskett turns up, who's Brian Murphy's character, he was a very standard comedy mm. annoying guest that they met 17 years ago on holiday and said, if you're ever yeah. in the area, you know, this is still very polite. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not just, he doesn't just go into what in the bloody hell and all that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. you, you see he's pushed. I, lo- I love, um, I'm not going to give away too much of the dialogue, but I do love the way Mr. Foskett goes, uh, by the way, that address you gave me doesn't actually exist. <laughs> Which is, you, you know full well, that could be from a two Ronnie sketch yes, written by David be. Redwick ten years earlier. You know, <laughs> it's just comedy. Yeah, I love that. Uh, uh... It's great. But I love that thing of, of how they mix this kind of um, tragedy and comedy and actually... You know, because my I have um I have a personal connection to this in a way because I never really saw it when it started. I was a student when it started, and I was it happened to be an evening when I was always out when it was on mm. uh, Thursdays when it started, and uh, mm. and it was my dad who actually said to me, "Oh, have you seen this thing? Uh, this thing, one foot in the grave, um, that's on." And I said, "Oh, I've, I've heard about it," and uh, you know, and he said, "Oh, it's quite good." And then he paused a moment and he said, "I mean, it's a bit morbid, but it's 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 really good," yeah. you know. And and so I sort of thought, oh, that's interesting. So I got into the repeats and then gradually by the time it became absolutely massive, I was well on board with it by then. But I mean, when this one went out, so Christmas Day 94, and actually my, my father had just died a couple of months before that. Mm-hmm. So I was watching it with my mother and my grandmother. My brother might have been there, but I don't think he was. So we were having, so it was first Christmas without dad. It was a strange day to put it mildly. But actually that, thing and that that um that bit you were talking about at the end of the episode which ends very bleakly but it was a release valve for us actually we were thinking oh do you know what that actually does make sense and in in the same way that i suppose it's a bit like when people watch eastenders right at christmas and it's too much for me eastenders Mm -hmm. at christmas i can't yeah and so but but actually someone said to me once who would 
I think had, had worked on the program or certainly had some connection with it. And they said to me, do you know what? The thing is, EastEnders once did this thing of they tried to make it more cheerful at Christmas. They mm. tried to do a sort of, oh, we'll do like a party or something like that. We won't have, you know, somebody being murdered or something. It just wasn't as popular with the viewing audience. They just didn't, they didn't like it. Um, mm. See, I think, I think soaps are the safe news. I think they are, they are basically a, a world in which terrible things happen and probably resonate with a lot of the viewers who are watching them, which is why yeah, they say things yeah. like, if you've had any similar experiences, then phone this number, yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But it, in the sense that it is all acted, these people are, are perfectly fine. Yeah, there's a distance. And, there's, and so there's an understanding on the part of the viewers that this isn't really happening, but it is happening. You can kind of understand that. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure that there are people who really try not to watch the news, but will happily watch, you know, EastEnders or Emmerdale every night, even when there's something absolutely terrible happening yeah. in it, because it's a slightly easier viewing. Not mm. from, that wouldn't be my uh, cup of tea, to be honest. But I no. think I can understand why it would be for some people, because I think people will like to go, phew, well, actually things are pretty bad but they're not that bad yeah absolutely and again that's why sitcom is such a a a huge genre because again it's kind of seeing things happen to people you know that's not happening to you that's right it's an interesting one as you say because 40 minutes is about your limit uh when it Mm. comes i mean obviously there's been the john sullivan sort of feature length specials and all that sort of thing because this is i think this is just an average episode that there's like 10 minutes stuck on the end, because the, the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, it's just them sort of talking. Of course, you know the story. It wasn't even her cat in the first place. Just turned up in her garden one day with a little metal disc in the collar saying, if found, please return to so-and-so at this address. You know what she did? Sent them back the collar. <laughs> People forget how good Annette Crosby. It's just them sort of talking, but you always feel they love each other. There's always that, even when, especially compared to Patrick and Pippa next door, oh, who I just yeah. have it all, but I, there's no love there at all. No. God's sake! 627. Early one tonight. In the name, Oh, Tell me that I'm still asleep, that this is just a bad dream. You're not asleep. It's not a dream. They found our car. (laughs) I mean, it's not my bloody fault. After three months? Whereabouts? Whereabouts? Finland. (laughs) I will say this episode has the finest delivery of the word Finland. Uh. It does, and and also the also the funniest delivery of another place name beginning with F, which if anything is even funnier. Do you want to hear some ratings news about One Foot in the Grave then? Yes, because I've got a few. I did some hunting because I it is an interesting point. This about One Foot in the Grave sort of had it peak about a year before this, so it got exactly twenty million viewers. On Boxing right. Day in 1993, which was 40,000 more than Only Fools and Horses got the day before. Wow. One Foot in the Argyle got 20 million. And then The Man Who Blew Away a year later, 15 million. So somehow, and it was still the most watched thing. And then 97, I haven't got the figures for 96. 97, it was 15 million just behind Men Behaving Badly. Men Behaving Badly was the most watched thing at Christmas 1997. Mm. 
Yeah. Which, given it's that episode... It was up against nothing, basically. <laughs> ITV had a repeat on, which was like a drama, which was kind of a basically a, a Me Too full Monty kind of thing. Oh, right. And I think there was opera on BBC Two. So there was nothing. It I was think. the only thing, really, yeah. of entertainment. So it makes sense, but still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny you were saying then about um, there's opera on BBC Two. And one of the funny things about Christmas TV, when I look back at schedules, and you see things that were on BBC Two on Christmas Day from the 80s or whatever, and you think it might be like a, a, an arena special on some author. And you'd go, I'd love to have seen that. <laughs> so I just yeah. didn't know who they yeah. were. You know, so you, you just sort of go, oh, my God, there were all these things on BBC Two. I didn't know about them. Um, nowadays, you know, there's things on BBC Two and Channel Four and other things where you go, oh, I'd like to watch BBC Two, especially BBC Four. And you go, well, I fully wouldn't watch that on the day, but it's no, always worth no. having them on tape, you know. For, uh, Six attempted overdoses, two exhaust jobs, three times I tried to jump off the roof, but they always talked me down. <laughs> oh, I expect that begs the question of how serious you are. And, uh, of course, I won't show you the scars on my wrist. Look at that. <laughs> Actually, it's a miracle I survived. Anyway. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have basically the excuse, and it's great because obviously iPlayer, uh, the, the entire series has gone up there yeah. quite recently. Uh, so people should, because it's one of the last really, truly great sitcoms, I think. Mm, absolutely. absolutely. And and it, 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 it might surprise you, especially when you look at Victor and go, he's not old. <laughs> Well, absolutely. He's a young man. Well, there's that there's that Twitter account where they uh, did they Mel Drew Point Mel Drew Point where they announce when you've reached the age that Victor is at the beginning of One Foot in the Grave because he's supposed to be is he is he oh hang on is he supposed to be are they, are they using Richard Wilson's age or are they using Victor Meldrew's age? I think it's Richard Wilson's. Yes, because he was only fifty three when he started it. Yeah, he? <laughs> you just look at it now and go, God, my life is off. <laughs> Which is quite a fitting sentiment for this episode. Yeah, raising a glass to late middle age. Suppose you can see why they do it. The people across the road just spend all night laughing. But the only thing you can do to stay sane is laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, where can people find you over Christmas? What have you got going on? Uh, not, not very. It was not a great deal. I'm, I'm, uh, I'll, I will doubtless be on Twitter at uh, when his birth, which is also a, a sale thing. Don't forget oh. push, 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 push. Oh yeah, I do do cards and things like with uh, yeah. with uh, birthdays and um, Christmas presents. Good, Christmas good, presents. Yeah. Although it's I don't know when this is going up. It might be, it might be a bit close to the date, but. But, well, uh, you know, there's more Christmases. There's always more Christmases. There's going to be more? There's, there's more oh, than this God. one that's coming up? <laughs> no, Good Lord. That's insane. <laughs> that's insane. Justin, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Ben, and thank you for inviting me on. <laughs> Where are the sleeping tablets? <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, by the bedside table, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Ben Baker's Christmas Box was written and produced by me, Ben Baker. The theme was by Paul Abbott. Find him at Pavlovich on Twitter. And you can find me and my nonsense there at Ben Baker Books. All clips used for review purposes. 
To get your own copy of Ben Baker's Christmas Box the Book, visit Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Ben Baker Books for how to buy it on Lulu, Amazon or direct from me. Merry everybody! And whatever you do this December, remember... E-E-N spells Ben. It does, you know.